0: Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to the weekly cooldown. I am Kami Jace, your host, and I'm Paul Henderson, your semi-regular guestish co-host. And if you're joining us for the first time, this is the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week, and we get to know our guest. It is episode 177 of the weekly cooldown. It is episode six, or it is January six. I haven't done this in a while. Can you And tell
1: uh, it's your birthday.
0: It is my birthday. Wee-hoo. I've made it to thirty,
1: despite your best efforts. Despite everyone's and, best efforts, we've, and we have thirty keep aging. more, and yeah. thirty more, at least. Yeah. <sighs> How I you feeling about aging?
0: it? Honestly, I'm very excited. I'm gonna treat thirties like twenties all over again. Right, twenties redo right? Yeah, and I'm gonna do all the things I didn't get to do, or I couldn't do, or whatever. I'm, I'm well, just shit. gonna do it.
1: That's kind of how I feel. I, I, I've—it's funny. When I turned twenty, originally, it felt like the end of the world. It was yeah. like, oh God, I'm 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 an adult now. Like everything's yeah. like it, it's just so much. I'm turning thirty this year in November, and I feel much more healthy mentally about it than yeah. I did when I was twenty. When I was nineteen, I was like, when I was nineteen, I was dreading my twenties. But as a twenty-year, as a twenty-nine-year-old, I'm looking forward to my thirties. Yeah. It feels good, uh, yeah, at least I'm, I probably have um a pretty significantly adjusted perspective since then, um given the whole almost dying of cancer thing that I went through yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. that uh mm-hmm. that can certainly change your perspective a bit so I, I i don't know i i'm i'm I don't feel as bad about it as I did when I was younger
0: yeah i I don't know that I felt even bad about twenty turning twenty, but I realized how like not prepared I was to try and live life I guess (laughs) like I, I was just really unprepared to like do all of the things I wanted to do I had such ambitions and goals and I had like no idea how to get there but now I feel like I've lived a lot of that experience I wanted to get I just need to now get to where i need to go with that experience. Yeah,
1: that's kind of how I felt, too, because when I was 19, I wanted to work at Valve, right?
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) I was like, I want to get an audio engineering degree, I want to learn how to do sound design, I want to work at Valve Software as a sound designer. That was, like, my end goal. And then, like, college just depressed me the hell out, and I was like, eh, maybe video games aren't for me. And the funny thing is, like, it just came back around, and I ended up, like, near the end of my 20s, like, when I was 28, getting my first video game job, just sort of on a whim, almost. Yeah. (laughs) and now here i am. I'm I have a successful career in video games that i did not expect.
0: It feels good. We're getting there. Yeah. Slowly but surely we will get there and that's what the 30s is going to be
1: is us being there.
0: Being there, getting there, being there.
1: So we haven't recorded a real Strung episode in like
0: 2 months no and this is not going to really be a real episode either we are no. skipping the headlines this week um we're going to do a bit of banter up front and then we are going to jump into two stories our gaming history this week and uh yeah and then next week we'll get back to the good old good old same old same old mm-hmm. um in February of course it will be the Black History Month episodes so look forward to that nice um
1: as usual I'll probably be uh, stepping away from the podcast for those yes, who no. allow allow the space <laughs> no. that I always do <laughs>
0: No white people. Um so
1: I mean <laughs> we, yes. I think exactly.
0: We will be uh, saying goodbye to Paul for a month and then in March Paul will suddenly be back. Uh-huh. March this will be a, this will be a white person
1: safe zone once uh-huh.
0: more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um speaking of white person safe zones, how was your holidays? <laughs> That's a good oh, segue. You know my family judgment. too
1: well. No, it's it's, it's all
0: right.
1: Well. Um uh, Honestly, it was really nice. It was great seeing my family again. Everybody seemed like they were in really good spirits. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I talked about it on the podcast, but my uncle very suddenly passed away last fall, and um, mm-hmm. our family is very tight-knit, so that was a very hard time for everybody. Everybody got to see each other at Thanksgiving, but unfortunately, due to the weather, I wasn't able to make it down to Houston, so I haven't seen everybody since the funeral. And so just mm-hmm. seeing everybody together, having seeing everybody having a nice time, it was um, very good for me, and everybody seemed like they were just very happy to see each other and be around each other, so yeah it was a very good christmas for me it was, It's always nice to just spend a couple days with my with my immediate family and spend the day with my extended family we nice. uh, We all have very good relationships, so it's it's very nice. Do you do any kind of
0: cool traditions with your family?
1: Yeah, so um we kind of do i i I mean I always thought this was the stereotypical way that it's done, and I don't necessarily know if this is the case anymore. I realize um I don't have a lot of perspectives on this, but um for us we we go to bed Christmas Eve and when we wake up Christmas morning there are just a ton of presents suddenly under the Christmas tree I know Mm. some people um, with their families they would put all the presents under the tree Christmas Eve and then like the Santa presents would suddenly show up overnight but the Mm -hmm. the way my mom did it it's always just like you go to bed and when we wake up there's just a pile of presents under the tree arranged in some way and uh, I got some very nice gifts for Christmas. Um, I got a capture card that I can use with my Switch and my PS4, and hopefully a PS5 once I get one. Um, I Actually, now that I have that capture card, it kind of ups the uh, timeline on me getting a PS5. I think I want to try and get it's one sometime cool. in the next few months and um, finally stream Demon Souls and finish the... Um, so... A while ago, I did a stream series which I called the Soulsborne Quintet, where I played mm-hmm. Blood, where I played through all the Dark Souls games as well as Bloodborne, um, with mm-hmm. the intent that by the time I got to the end of that series, I would have a PS5 and would be able to stream Demon Souls. And unfortunately, I never got the PS5 because they were both hard to find, and also money was very tight for me at the time.
0: Sure. Yeah. Now
1: that I'm not in financial dire straits anymore, and I am. I have, and it, PS5s are a lot easier to buy now. Um, I'm probably going to pick one up in the next few months and actually finally stream the game. Which very will also cool. be my first time ever playing Demon's Souls. Um, all the other games in the series I had I had played before. I had played through Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. I'd never beaten mm-hmm. 2, and i had beaten Bloodborne. But I've still never played or beaten Dark Souls, um, Demon's Souls before. So I'm very excited to um, to finally see where it all began, so to speak.
0: I need to get that capture card plug because I would like one for Switch playing.
1: Yep, I got the Um, uh, Elgato HD60S Plus. Ah, Elgato. Yeah. that one's That one's good because it's a low latency um, capture card. The one I had before, I do have another Elgato capture card, but it's not a low latency one. It has like, it has like 600 milliseconds delay or something ridiculous, so it's it's completely mm. unplayable. But the um, the HD60, that one is a latency, very low latency. It's almost instant, and uh, you can stream with it, and you can just play directly on your monitor. It's very nice. Very
0: good. Very I got good.
1: to I got to use a little bit. Uh, I use use my roommate's um, Elgato HD60 um, with my. Um, during my extra live stream, actually, was how I streamed Pokemon. Turned out I had my game audio off the entire time, and nobody told me. But um, <laughs> the, the game was very playable, and it worked great. So I'm
0: looking forward to it. Very good.
1: What about you? What'd you do for Christmas or holidays or whatever you had for New Year's?
0: Christmas is like my way of giving back to families. So I didn't get to go see my family this Christmas, but I did. Um, spend some time with my boyfriend's family um and basically what i do is i cook all the meals and i make all the drinks so um his mom really (laughs) likes my lasagna so i make christmas lasagna um his sister is kind of a picky eater um so i make her just a large chicken just Mm -hmm. the full chicken Um, so two big oven meals. (laughs) Um, and then I make drinks all day. So, um, uh, in, in Puerto Rican culture, we have Coquito, which is like, uh, coconut egg, egg, eggnog, uh, with rum instead of brandy. um, and you just kind of drink that throughout the day. And it's very Ooh. sweet and very coconutty and very delicious. And the drunkenness sneaks up on you very
1: <laughs> It
0: always um, does with the sweet drinks, doesn't it? Oh, yeah.
1: Because it doesn't... Because you, <laughs> you knock, a couple, if you you knock use, a couple back and you're feeling great. Yes. especially. suddenly Especially
0: just, yeah. if you use coconut rum. Like, oh, it's already yeah. completely coconutty. So you're right. going to sneak in some coconut rum and then you're going to be drunk off your ass. And it's great. Um... So I just fed everyone, uh, gave everyone some drinks. I got a cool salt lamp, which I'm excited about. Ooh. Because um, I get real depressing in the winter. So I'm going to plug that in pretty soon. Um, nice. And hopefully be less depressing. Um, I recently
1: learned about sun lamps just as a thing. Yeah. Which is super... They're called um they're called sad lamps, which yeah. is a hilarious name, by the way. I just want to l- point that out. Very, but they're, very um, good. I, I think they're what is it seasonal affective disorder lamps or, mm-hmm. or, or like sun sun therapy lamps essentially isn't a yeah. name for them and they're essentially just insanely bright lamps that you put in your room to emulate the effect of the sun Having coming sunlight. in through a window or
0: something yep
1: Super usually i get
0: a whole bunch of candles but this year i got a salt lamp, and I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about. it.
1: I don't have a sad lamp, but the last time I bought light bulbs, I accidentally bought light bulbs that were a way higher wattage than I think I normally buy, and oh. so I plugged it into my to my ceiling, and my I like burned my retinas out, <laughs> and I was like,
0: God damn that's I like,
1: right. I, I almost flashbang myself, and then afterwards I was like, wait a minute, actually this is kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I, I I instead of buying new light bulbs that were the light level I was used to, I actually just I rolled with it, and it's it actually
0: insane the power of light
1: it was actually pretty good for me it, it, it was like instantly the moment i plugged them in after i realized after i adjusted was like what this is so bright afterwards
0: i was like this kind of slaps <laughs> <laughs> a little a little light never hurt nobody uh-huh. um what about new year's what did you do for new year's uh
1: new year's um i was gonna go up and see my girlfriend but unfortunately my car was in the shop i just got it back today mm-hmm. actually so instead, I basically chilled at home, played video games with my roommates, and then at some point, I got drunk and ended up playing Sven co-op with um, Richard and pals, uh, Richard, Corey, and Crow in the shoot. Not Crow. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, we was um, we were we were playing <laughs> Sven co-op. I was drunk off my ass. We also played Fortnite at some point, and I ended up spending Amazing. twenty dollars on a
0: Goku. <laughs> oh, see, I'm. I'm trying very hard not to buy anything, but the My Hero Academia stuff is calling me real bad.
1: The My Hero Academia skins are pretty cool. Um, the I re- I I saw Goku and I was like, oh, I can I can go Super Saiyan. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> That's you can you, need. Go, you can go Super Saiyan. You can go. You, there's Super Saiyan. There's like I think it's either there's Super Saiyan Four or Super Saiyan God. Yeah. Super Saiyan. I uh, know Super Saiyan Four. Yep. Super Saiyan or Super Saiyan Four. The whatever the one that has blue hair.
0: That's God. Uh, SSG, super Saiyan God.
1: SS I think that's the yeah Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, which is a terrible name, by the way. Yep. yep. And um, and then you can go, and then there's the Ultra Instinct one as well. Um, which yes. His fucking shirt explodes. <laughs> it's great. But it's you can switch great. between any of those four forms, like just by using an emote, kind of slaps.
0: I don't know how, but you can get, uh, Deku's smash attack and. In Fortnite too. I think like that was a, just a
1: limited time item or something along those that's usually uh, how they handle I those missed things. It. That's usually how they handle those things is um, whenever they like implement character signature moves or whatever, it's usually a limited time item that anybody can use. So you can have like Darth Vader Kamehameha highing people.
0: That's cool. I yeah. should I, I really should play it more. I play I had like a stretch where I was playing it for every day and I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, and I know I when they try. I know
1: when they introduced the Dragon Ball items for the first time, they included a Kamehameha uh, Kamehameha Wave item, and you could just, you could just Kamehameha Blast
0: people. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. fun. Fortnite.
1: Uh, speaking of video games, hey, you know what game came out since the last time we had the podcast? Real? No. Pokemon.
0: Well, that came out before the last time we were on the
1: podcast. Well, okay, so let me, let me, let me take a look at the schedule. Weekly <laughs> <Really> cooldown. <laughs> At least, at least since last time I was on the podcast, I may have missed an episode um, since Pokemon. You came were out. on on the fifth
0: it. of last month. Was
1: I? Or I didn't
0: something? Ta-
1: I either didn't talk about Pokemon or I didn't have it yet.
0: You did um, not have it yet. That is true.
1: According to the website, the last real episode we had was oh yeah, that's right. That was because because there was the eighteenth. Um, the the no 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 because I was on the government Discord episode. That was that was fucking Adlerify. Um. And so yeah, the
0: Game Awards.
1: Yeah, so there was there was there was the Adelrafi episode. There was just the headlines, and then there was the Game Awards, which we didn't talk about awards. Pokemon then because we were focused on the Game Awards. And I was drunk yep. off my tits. I haven't that talked about Pokemon on the podcast yet.
0: Nope. You have, sure you played, have
1: you played the new Pokemon?
0: I've beat it. I've been all over that.
1: All right, I'm gonna let you go first because I've got some thoughts, <laughs> and, they're, and they're, it's not a rant. If it's gonna did be a rant, you, it's gonna be a positive rant.
0: Did you get Scarlet or Violet?
1: I got Scarlet.
0: Okay, you got mommy issues. So
1: yes, that's us try to get mommy uh, issues. <laughs>
0: um, I so, Scarlet and Violet for me, I think, is as good as Pokemon could be, if it didn't also have like a lot of seemingly harmless but still pretty bad bugs. I feel um,
1: pretty much exactly the same.
0: It is it is the best entry and the worst entry at the same time. Um, If they had done that extra bit of polish, I don't know how you do that with a game of this scale, but if they had done that um, or scaled it back maybe so that it was a little bit more polished, um, I think it would have been absolutely amazing and people would have loved it without a doubt. Um, But that being said, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed actually playing it despite the bugs and despite the kind of lack of uh, that last paint of coat that it needed. The problem or, with
1: large games like this is I'm sure there are some systemic issues in the design, in the development process yeah. that were probably unavoidable and unfixable just based on the way that Game Freak works. On the other hand, I think that with, I agree, with more time to develop it, maybe like another six months for, for just an extra polish run, I think the game could have been 100% at the state that it should have been i'm interested to see what's going to happen over the next few months with patches that are coming up i know the big one is there's going to be a patch to make it um, work with pokemon world which is the Mm -hmm. pokemon the the current version of the pokemon bank app that is usable on mobile and works with pokemon go and pokemon uh, sword and shield Mm-hmm. I think if they're going to make any major fixes and changes to the game graphically, that's going to be when it's going to happen, because that just makes the most sense to me
0: <laughs> Sure, all at that's, once, yeah Yeah,
1: but Just, you know, roll everything together into one big patch Having said that, I pretty much agree with your assessment wholeheartedly um, I, I don't actually necessarily feel comfortable giving it the moniker of worst Pokemon game, in addition to the title of best Pokemon game Yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, Sun and Moon were probably the weakest entries in the oh. series just by far. Yeah, for sure. Um, just And the reason for that, I, I, <clears> I will admit... I Okay, so so I, I have to lay out two things. One, I've owned, I think, at least one game in every single generation of the Pokemon series. Yep. The last one that I actually beat, I think, was Sapphire.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. I I, okay.
1: I I enjoy Pokemon, but I always bounce off of it in some way. One yeah. way or another, Sun. Ult, I got Ultra Sun. I got the the, mm-hmm. the the basically the enhanced
0: the second version. Yes, the, the
1: second the second release for that generation. I got Ultra Sun and like or Ultra Moon. I, I can't even remember because honestly, I played it like two hours and I was like I felt like banging my head against a wall. I um the the next furthest I've gotten in a Pokemon game since then was um was Pokemon. I actually don't remember which version I got on that one either. I'm pretty sure it was Sword. Um, but that one I actually got pretty far, and I got like five gem badges, and I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, it um as a send off for the old style of Pokemon game, I think it was fine. Uh, yeah. For me, I kind of just got bored after a certain point. Um, the story wasn't very engaging. It was kind of just a very basic like go to a place, your rivals there, you beat mm-hmm. the gym. Go to a place, your rivals there, you beat the gym. Like it, it was. It was, it felt like fucking, in a lot of ways, it felt like Gen 1 in terms of, like, the plot. It was just very basic. And, I mean, the atmosphere and vibes of the game were fantastic. But at the end of the day, I just got really, really bored. Um, what, What Scarlet and Violet does that previous Pokemon games haven't done is, first of all, it kind of makes you really care about the world that the yeah. game is taking place in, in a way that the previous games haven't. Absolutely, um, and it and it does that in a few different ways. First of all, if, if you ignore the graphics issues and the rendering issues, the actual world design itself and the place that you exist in is fun to just run around in. Um, Being able to run around in a place and just there's Pokemon everywhere and you can fight any of them and eventually you reach Mm -hmm. a town. Especially, I think the high point for the game for me was getting to the mountain areas and just climbing all over shit. And just seeing the snowy areas because... I think, I think a big reason for that is that snow is very, very easy to render. <laughs> and it's very easy to get right graphically. There's not a lot you have to do in terms of texture work compared to, like, a desert or a grassy field. Like, snow, it's, like, it's white. It's very simple. And I think that the mountains most hid the graphical issues that the game had. And as a result, it just felt like existing in a real world. And, like, just... Oh, God. It... it Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, in terms of its gameplay, really scratches that childhood itch of just wanting to exist in the Pokemon world. Yeah. Yes. I think absolutely. That's, I think that's the baseline of it. It really feels like a world where Pokemon and humans can realistically coexist in a lot of ways. It's it's still very simplified. It's, it's very... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, when you take something and reduce it down to its base parts to make it easier to digest. And um, is it just simplified? Is that...
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think you got it the first time. I,
1: I, I, there's another word that I'm thinking of. Um, abstracted? It's like you make something a bit more abstract. It's like um, how you take a more realistic art style and make it more basic. Not sim- It's not sure. simplified, though. Okay, I, I can't think of the word, but it... It takes those things and sort of breaks them down a little bit. And makes It makes everything a little bit more dead. Like, there's that that one game that's coming up. That's like the Pokemon Gun Factory game that I can't remember the name of. That looks ridiculous. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Oh, Pal World.
1: Pal World. That's the that's the game where they're trying like Good take Lord. Pokemon and take it to its logical conclusion. And that's not yeah. really what you want. <laughs>
0: It's like what you expect, but not what you want verbalized.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's like, realistically, that's where Pokemon would probably go, but that's, that's not what people want. It, yeah, I, it's, 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 more t- ide- it's idealized.
0: Don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, the, the, I mean the, the big complaint, what, what went viral on Twitter and what everybody complained about was the fact that the graphics are just dog shit. And they are. yeah it's it runs terribly the textures look horrible but once you get past that there is a genuinely compelling game there and absolutely and in terms of just gameplay and design i think it is legitimately the best pokemon game game freak has ever made
0: the story is surprising because Mm -hmm. at, at at most it feels like like you said you're kind of fulfilling those same kind of gen one requirements but you're doing it in a way that feels a lot more free and kind of like at your pace and also like you you're part of the world right in no world are all the roads that linear where you can't like you know, j- jump over a river and be on the other side of the river. You have to, like, right. get surf or something like that, right?
1: And they, um, and they and they have their game designerly ways of gating you out of areas. Right, It's like, yeah. you go into an area and you run into a level 69 Sorlax, you're going to be like, okay, maybe I'll come back later.
0: Right. <laughs> you obviously cannot get across this bridge with, you know, your jump ability alone. You obviously need something else. So, fine, I get it. Um, but it, it still felt like... Um, I don't know, like that extra bit of freedom made it more like I have full control over how I progress through this game. And that was enough, really, to make me kind of keep going with it. And um, I'm really glad I did. I got to know the gym leaders a lot more. Um, You get these other kind of side quest things going on that um, really kind of solidify the uh, NPCs and the characters and their motivations and then it ties it all up really really neatly Um, and almost in a kind of dark way I don't want to spoil it for people but it's kind of it's it's a, a little gritty
1: yeah, it, it is. Um yeah, also I, I I wanna I wanna double down on that, man. Why is every single like main named character in this game just dripped the fuck out? Like I know. That's it. I mean, Pokemon's always had good character designs, but
0: they went next fucking level with this they one. They went really hard. There
1: is reason. not, I don't think that I can think of off the top of my head, a single bad character design in this no. game. No. I fucking Even love Larry, who's scene. just a guy. La- in a Larry seat. is the best goddamn character in Pokemon. Yeah, yeah.
0: Larry Larry's is the, the best, best.
1: Poke- Pokemon. Pokemon. That- <laughs> Larry is the Peaked. best character that is that Game Freak or Nintendo has ever been involved with. Yep,
0: there is Hands no out. better character than Larry.
1: I was instantly enamored with him. <laughs> you show up to the gym and it's just like some dude, and he's just like, "All right, let's do this." <laughs> <He's>
0: yeah. Like- <laughs> And he blended in so well with the whole scenery that he just kind of gets up and he's like, Hi, it's me. I'm like, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And um, this is a little bit of a spoiler. Skip the next 30 seconds of the podcast if you don't want spoilers for one of the end game things that happen. When the third member of the Elite Four walks out the door and it's just fucking Larry
0: again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I was like... You, they know he's the favorite. And they so know like,
1: he's the put best. Him, they knew hundred percent that he was the again. best. They're like, just he, because they they don't tell you. There's no hint at all before that point. He, 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 you, you, you start the elite four, and they show you all the other members of the elite four. You know yep. that the the gay one and the child are the elite four,
0: but the then, gay one and the child. but then
1: the third one is like, just fucking. Like,
0: just Hi, it's <laughs> me again. Remember me? <laughs> Your favorite.
1: Alright, if you're tuning back in now, it has been 30 seconds. The spoilers have ended. I the hope
0: spoilers that worked. It's so hard
1: to set spoiler warnings in a pile.
0: <laughs> it, was a re- it was a really good Pokemon game, and if you haven't gotten it yet, um, I recommend um, either one, honestly, but I really enjoyed um, Okay. the exclusive invite
1: I, I have one caveat to that. If Graphical issues and performance are going to significantly ruin a game for you. I don't suggest Pokemon Sapphire and Violet. I disagree. Get over it. Pokemon Scarlet. and Violet. (laughs) I... That's a really big sticking point for a lot of people, and, I'm, and I can't no, just, I do, I can't I just completely it. discredit that as a reason why somebody wouldn't play the game. For me, it's not really a big deal. I mean, if it's a game that I wasn't interested in the first place, the fact that the game has crappy graphics might actually be more of a turnoff for me. So sure. if this is your first introduction to the Pokémon series and you don't really know if you're going to like it or not, and the graphics might be a major turnoff for you... I would suggest at the very least waiting until the first major patch comes out. Keep an eye on gaming news outlets, whatever. maybe I'll update you here on the podcast, who knows. Um, keep an eye out and see if that first major update does anything to fix the graphics. If it does, I will let you know here on the weekly cooldown, keep an ear out and you can go pick it up then. Otherwise, if they don't if they don't fix the game significantly with the next with the first major update, I honestly don't know if they will. They've, they've talked about hearing the feedback on the game. Like, yeah. like, Game Freak made an announcement saying, hey, we hear the feedback that you guys have given us and we take it very seriously, which they've never done before.
0: No. That's a new not thing for,
1: for Game Freak. So. I appreciate
0: an open mm-hmm. Game Freak.
1: <laughs> so, I, I, I think there might be something to that. Um, also, another side note in it, in indirectly, Toby Fox ended up writing like 60% of the music for the game.
0: And everything he's worked on, on that game, is beautiful.
1: So, he... Especially
0: um, the last zone.
1: Yeah. He made the base version of the overworld theme for the game, essentially. And the composers at Game Freak took that theme and extrapolated it out to all the different areas. So... In effect, he more or less composed almost every tune that you hear in the game, so <laughs> which is great. insane to me. And the terror raid theme is entirely him. Um,
0: How do I, do think, I get cool I think like him? Without bit, but... studying music,
1: <laughs> I mean, the terror raid theme to me just sounds like if Toby was trying to write like Gen three Pokemon music. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds. It sounds like him. Just like really, it sounds. It sounds to me like so. Toby has written Pokemon music before, obviously. He did the Battle Tower yeah. music in Sword and Shield. Um and all the other music in the game that he wrote feels like him, just outright. Um to me the Terra raid music specifically sounds to me like if Toby was trying to write a Pokemon tune rather than yes. Toby just doing Some, his own thing.
0: Someone told Toby to write Pokemon and he said, Okay, here it is.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's it's it, it's good. It, I mean, there's 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 no two ways about oh, it. It's really good. Um, of course, it's a not so close secret that um, my roommate has worked on Delta Rune before, and um, <laughs> we, <laughs> as a result, um, I got to pass a couple messages along to Toby um, afterwards, and after the game came out, and just was like, "Hey, this whole thing is amazing," and personally confirmed that he did in fact write the Terror Raid music before it became public knowledge, or not the Terror Raid music, um, the uh, the Final Zones music um, mm-hmm. before it became public knowledge, and of course that everybody knew about that anyway. But it was um, cool to get if. that little that little insight beforehand.
0: That felt like him. the, the it last did. Zone. I was like, yeah, it was
1: Kobe. like this is some this is some, some final this lab. This is shit. Toby Fox. This is some final lab shit. One hundred percent.
0: Toby Fox, come on the podcast. <laughs> and
1: then, um, I, I, I don't know if this necessarily counts as spoilers or not, but the final battle uses a remix of the Terra Lab of the oh, yeah. theme, mm-hmm. which means he effectively wrote the final boss theme as well.
0: It's if he it's didn't outright, coming, just get it. it's all covered up, Toby.
1: Just off the top of my head, he wrote the Overworld theme, the baseline version of the Overworld theme that they that they remixed into the mm-hmm. into the. By the way, I also want to point out it's also they used the Overworld theme and remixed it into the battle theme as well. So he wrote all the overworld battle themes he wrote all, essentially all the overworld theme overworld themes he wrote the terror music he wrote the final area music and he wrote the final battle music that's like 90% of the music in the game
0: <laughs> he did it all he does it all amazing
1: anyway well, the game's really good you should get it
0: get the Pokemon Scarlet or Violet doesn't matter you want well, mommy issues you go get some house. Scarlet you want some daddy issues you go get Violet Violet Yep, and that's if it. If you just like
1: hot people, buy a Pokemon
0: game. Honestly, that's it. What more do you need? Um hey, we're gonna take a break. Um right. and when we come back we <laughs> will go over our two stories for the week, our gaming history news, and then we'll get get on out of here. Sounds so good. Stick around, you nerds, we'll be right back.
1: Remain calm and please stay in your seats. We are experiencing pirate activity. Oh, there's just some um, something happening. Uh, what? Them? Um, <coughs> them? Oh no! At the outer edges of space, where union is but a whisper, humanity scrapes together a living amongst the stars. This is the story of four Lancers, talented pilots of mechanized chassis from all corners of the known universe, thrown together by Circumstance and Destiny, and credits. Follow Macha, Moxie, Roadkill, and Silver, led by me, Reed, your Game Master, through The Lancer System, a mud and laser style anime mecha RPG. I hope they brought some printers with them, because this is Bring Your Own Mech, an actual Play Lancer podcast, and batteries are not included. Follow my heading, and I'll see you there.
0: grab some popcorn
1: and find your seats monster of the week actual play podcast $2 creature feature returns for season two on February 22nd this season we'll see a whole new crew of hunters confronting the mysteries at the heart of the town of Jupiter hollow I'm Megan Murphy I'm playing Zelda Wardwell the Flake. Oh wait, I'm supposed to protect people too. That's like what heroes do. I'm
0: Nyeldar playing Eric Ashrin, the Crooked. Let's
1: just say I don't ask questions that involve
0: textbooks. I ask questions that involve cash. I'm Laura McMillan and I'm playing Tammy Jo Marple, your hometown home finder. I'm here to make deals with the good people of Jupiter
1: Hollow, but I already made a deal of my own. Tammy Jo is the monstrous.
0: And I'm Mr. Ray. I play everything that tries to kill these people. And if you enjoyed
1: our first season, You ain't seen nothing yet. New episodes every other Tuesday, wherever podcasts are found.
0: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Lobby. hello 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 welcome back to the show so before we get into the news stories um paul's apparently been playing chess yeah i
1: i meant to bring it up during the first (laughs) half and i totally um forgot yeah um for some reason just a few days ago i got recommended a chess video by a name of um, or by the a channel by the name of gotham chess um he makes some very funny videos um levy rosman um he uh, he makes a YouTube series called How to Lose at Chess and it's basically just him like <laughs> reacting to and analyzing really, really bad chess games by really low-ranked players on chess.com and mm-hmm. it's it's um very entertaining and has actually been the primary way I've been learning how to play chess um, at least on a, ah. at a very baseline level. It's just like how to not throw away pieces, how to set up your board in such a way that you get to prepare for other states. How to be
0: okay states. at chess. How,
1: how to not be completely dog-shitting chess is what it really boils down (laughs) to Um, and I as a result I ended up actually going to Goodwill um, yesterday I was walking to Subway and on the way there I happened to see a Goodwill that I had never been in before I popped in there and I saw a relatively decently sized travel chess board for like Mm -hmm. 8 bucks and I was like alright fine I have to go get this and I got it and I played chess against my roommates and completely slapped them (laughs) nice yeah that's and that's always good. I've also been playing with um, Corey and Richard a bit, um, and Richard's been completely spanking my ass because he really knows what he's doing, of course. Naturally, um, he's, he's a goddamn genius. And um, Corey and I are probably about the same level, and I've either, I've I've I pretty much went even and or tied Richard or Corey a few times. I think we played like two or three times. First time he completely beat me, and then. It's it's gotten better since then, but... Yeah, no, I've been really enjoying chess, just learning more about it. I've actually got a basic opening that I can do now when I'm on white side. I still don't know what to do when I'm on black side. I just sort of react to my opponent and try not to cry too much. But... Um, <laughs> white side, I've been trying to do something um that is very easy to learn in chess. It's an opening called the London opening, or the, Lon- it, the London system is what Levy calls it. And it's essentially mm-hmm. you just... You set your pieces up in such a way that you have, like, a pyramid of pawns at the front. You put your bishop in the middle of them. You put your knight out off to the side to flank and protect. And from there, you just have a really strong starting position. And you're able to um, pretty much handle almost anything your opponent throws at you. It's been really fun. Have you played chess at all?
0: No. That was pretty foreign to me, I gotta say. But I I feel... I feel like I should go learn now. Let's put it that way. I feel I... like everyone's doing it.
1: <laughs> chess kind of had a big blow up during COVID when all, oh sure yeah all the big all the big chess players were sort of shoved inside and also we covered the...
0: this on that show oh, yeah. well, we covered that on this show
1: oh interesting um I I don't remember talking about chess it but I th- I I think we might have I think I might have been on that episode but. I, I wasn't really paying attention whenever it happened. And um, now I'm just, like, learning about the new community of chess as it exists now. Because mm-hmm. basically, I, if, if I try to analyze it just a little bit, more or less what happened was the new generation of chess players grew up and became Twitch streamers <laughs> is yeah. pretty much what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they brought the entirety of Twitch with them. Because, um, like, everybody, what, what do you think of in your mind when you think of, like, the stereotypical chess master?
0: Oh, I think of, like, a New York City guy, actually. Whenever yeah. I think of chess masters, I think of some guy in New York City who's like, I'm bored, come play me, you loser. <laughs>
1: in my in my head, I think of, like, some, like, 60-year-old white Russian Yeah, yeah. Man, and he's just, like, he's just, he looks way older than he is, and it's just, like, his entire life is chess. But no, like, the, the best player of chess right now is a guy named Magnus Carlsen, and he's, like... 24, I think. No, he's 32. Amazing. He's 32. He's a little bit older, but like, he's our age. And mm-hmm. he he has been the best chess player for like, oh god, like almost 10 years now. And just between him and Hikaru. It. Yeah, Hikaru, um, Nakamura as well. He's 35. And then, of course, Levy, my guy he is 27 he's younger than me yeah (laughs) and so just like knowing seeing that the the new wave of chess players top chess players are like people who are our age and realizing that oh wait a minute the people who are good at chess now are people who are were born the same time as us yeah yeah. and sort of realizing how relatable they are now (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not not just seeing them as like some old like
0: God, what's so his what's
1: his name? Uh, there's another guy that I can't think of off the top of my Gary Kasparov. Mm-hmm. Gary Kasparov is the guy that I think of. Like Gary Kasparov is like the generic cast chess player in my head, and that guy's like sixty. He's a Russian guy as well. Mm-hmm. That's like in my brain. Gary Kasparov is like the stereotypical chess player, but that's not representative of what chess is now. Chess is young. Right. It's weird. Chess is young. It's weird that chess is young to me.
0: I, I think that that, I, I mean, I I feel like maybe I'll eat my words if it doesn't happen in a couple of years, but I feel like that that's the, that's the way chess is, right? Like, there is, like, a really old guy who's the king of chess since he was young and then a new, a new young wave comes in and they're like no where are the new ones where are the good ones now
1: that's true because i, I here, old man i have also learned that basically unless you're a childhood prodigy of chess and playing since you're like eight years old you have like no chance of becoming a grandmaster right <laughs> it's like if you try to learn how to play chess even in like your 20s it's like good fucking luck you yeah, may- maybe
0: you'll get a title <laughs> congratulations on starting now you're yeah, late you're late <laughs> <laughs> is is Baldur's Gate anything like chess? I, That's what I've been. Playing.
1: I don't know a lot about Baldur's Gate. You should tell me about it.
0: Baldur's Gate is kind of like it. First of all, it's D and D based. Yes. Um, and it's it's top down action RPG. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense in my head. It does. Um, but it's I I've been playing Baldur's Gate three since I've been sick uh, for the past two weeks. And I think I wasn't as interested in Baldur's Gate when it came out because I was not playing Mm D&D. But having played D&D now, I am like incredibly interested in D&D video games. (laughs) Like anything that takes place in the D&D world, I'm very much into now. So I picked up Baldur's Gate 3 kind of like, oh, maybe I can use this for when we're back playing D&D in a week. And now that I've played it, I'm like, August could not come sooner. Like, I need it to hurry up and be full release. I need to play it right now. I need to know the whole story. Yeah, I don't know um, a lot
1: about Baldur's Gate. Um, I watched um f- friend of the Paul, uh, Tabby Cat, play about an hour of oh, Baldur's Gate 3. And uh, basically what I got from it, it is basically just video game D&D is what it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very much that, and it's a lot of fun, and it makes me want to play both D and D and more Baldur's Gate. It is, um, it's still in early access, which is frustrating a little bit, but um, there's already so much content just in the early access, and it it fuels the imagination in a way that I didn't think it would, um, and I don't know. I've just been having a real, a really fun time with it. Um, I've made a. Warlock that I've been playing as if I were the warlock. Um, and then I made one of my D&D characters as himself, and I've been trying to play as he would respond. Um, as a lot of you, I think, know, I roleplay slash roleplayed on Final Fantasy Fourteen. Before that, I roleplayed on um, a game, in a Korean MMO called uh, Mabinogi. Um, and... You know, both of those games are fun and have their own story, but the lore is very kind of dodgy. Mm. Um, with D&D and Baldur's Gate and all the kind of D&D material out there, I feel like the lore has more or less coalesced. It's it's a lot stronger. And so going from D&D into Baldur's Gate um, feels really f- fun in a way that I like it, it just opens up all these new possibilities for both games for me um, where I can take the knowledge I've learned from my D&D sessions and take them to Baldur's Gate to try and figure out like what the best uh, routes are and then take the roots and knowledge that I have in Baldur's Gate and take it back to my D&D and be a better like role player and a better player there so it's it's really interesting how that's all kind of played hand in hand mm. um and now next week, uh, we'll see how my two sessions go <laughs> now that I have this new information. I'm very you'll excited. Be and if anything, I think you'll probably
1: be better as a result of it.
0: I'm excited. I want to I wanna be my boys. Speaking Artem of Baldur's Crash. Gate
1: and Dungeons and & Dragons... <laughs> Yeah, uh, good segue. So, yeah, so looks like Watsy has canceled. a But we are going to talk a little bit of news on the podcast. I hope you guys are okay with that. Yes. I hope you don't mind if we talk a little bit of news. Is that, I hope is that you okay? don't
0: mind. Is
1: that okay if we talk that this news? video
0: game news show goes into video game?
1: News. I, ho- I hope it's okay if we talk about news a little bit. So it looks like um, Wizards of the Coast, um, guys that make, of course, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Other. I'm actually I've had this okay. Um, a whole sidebar. I just have like this pile of basic lands that I've had at my desk for like the past week that I've just been the uns. Sleeved that i've just been shuffling constantly just to see how like scuffed up and fucked up i can make them <laughs> um, okay <laughs> just just for fun and um like the corners have gotten really bent on them which is very entertaining like i've been like i've been like riffle shuffling i've been flicking them like crazy just <laughs> for no for no reason
0: for no reason, for just, reason
1: just because these these cards aren't worth the paper they're, they're cardboard and adhesive they're printed on oof because they're basically basically nothing so they're fun to fuck with Uh, anyway so it looks like Wizards of the Coast guys that make Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering um, have apparently cancelled at least five video games that it's had in development Um, it was reported that Wizards of the Coast had about eight games in development including Baldur's Gate 3 which of course is leaving early access in August it isn't quite Thank clear God. which games have been discontinued. Um, I don't think they had been announced, the games that they had talked about, beyond the fact that they existed. There were games that existed. Of the seven and eight, Wizards teased, and most of the in-house internal and external list seems to reference be a reference to D&D-related projects. So, it basically, it looks like WotC or Hasbro or whoever you want to call it um, has just canceled a bunch of in-house projects that hadn't seen the light of day and probably never will now, at least not anytime yeah. soon. What tends to happen with these kinds of projects is um, in these canceled projects will sometimes get leaked like years after they get canceled. We've seen that happen with Nintendo and with other studios before. So maybe we'll hear what these games were supposed to be at some point, like 10 years from now. But don't hold your breath. Yeah, it's um, fingers.
0: I mean, fingers crossed that we hear something about what these games were and maybe get the chance to get them back.
1: So it wouldn't surprise me to hear if at least one of these projects was Magic the Gathering related. Um, the reason I say mm. that is because um, WOTC was making a big push for Magic games in the past couple of years. Um, I think, was it E3 2021 um, when they announced like three Magic the Gathering video games um, at that um, that conference? It was like they had announced a, a quote-unquote Magic the Gathering MMO, which was really like an ARPG of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember what the other games were but that game got can- got like cancelled in early access. It came out nobody gave a shit about it and they cancelled it um, the whole conceit of it was supposed to be like your spells were cards that you could use in the ARPG and I also I still don't really understand why they marketed it as an MMO because it wasn't an MMO. It was like a Diablo type game,
0: right? <laughs> like oh, I wow. think
1: I think Diablo Immortal was more of an MMO than this game was, and Diablo Immortal is not an MMO. It kind of acts like one, but it's not an MMO. Mm-hmm. If you've played Diablo Immortal, and if if you've played Diablo Immortal, but um, I would expect at least one of these games was probably was probably Magic the Gathering related. Another reason it might have been cancelled is because, well, so there was a series of games that Wizards made, I think it was called Magic Duels, mm-hmm. which was essentially a annual digital release that they made based on Magic the Gathering. <clears throat> um, okay, not quite. It was, um... So there was a, there was a series called Duels of the Planeswalkers, that's what it was. And that was an mm. annual game that they released every year that had like a bunch of cards from the past year. That got replaced by Magic Duels, Magic Duels was kind of the sort of premier No, that's not true. It was it was just a digital client that's kind of like Arena, but it was worse in almost every way. And <laughs> oh, Magic yeah. I mean, I mean Magic Online is still the primary way to play real Magic the Gathering on the internet on a computer and has been since like god like 2003 or some shit magic arena has kind of supplanted it but i think what was likely going on is they might have had some sort of project similar to magic duels or duels of the Planeswalkers in place however magic arena showed up and blew all that shit out of the water especially as it showed up right when the covid pandemic happened which yeah made it perfectly positioned to become the premier place to play magic during the pandemic when nobody could gather in person and i think as a result they probably had something like that in development that got canceled in addition probably a bunch of D &D related stuff that we just will never see the light of day um it's no secret that a lot of watsi's video game projects have failed over the past few years and as a result that's probably why a lot of those projects got cut which i think is a shame um i mean I think it's a shame when projects get cut as a result of previous projects failing due to failures and execution it's like whenever a game comes out and they're like please buy this game or else we won't make any other games in the series and the game that comes out is dog shit and you're just like am I just supposed to buy this because I feel
0: bad there seems to be a lot of talk too about how to monetize um, a lot of their IP especially when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons um, and I think this also might be some some form of that where they are reevaluating the way that they wanna monetize um some of their uh uh productions, and so maybe it's d and d, maybe it's magic. Um, maybe it's something entirely that they might be reformulating away from video games into God knows what
1: yeah, it doesn't help that Watsey and Hasbro have been kind of having issues over the past couple of years in general um, especially um, Hasbro actually recently got its credit rating. Double um, double demoted as a result of the fact that Wizards of the Coast was pushing so much Magic the Gathering product. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't really followed the Magic the Gathering scene, essentially over the past year, there has been some sort of product release, like, every single month for the past, like, year and a half. And I think in the last, like, three months, there was something like a new product coming out every week it was absolutely insane. They just completely flooded the market with all this product. And um, the kind of stinger to this was the big magic 30 um, celebration that they had. Um, Mm -hmm. They released a bunch of cool stuff with magic 30. They had a big convention. It was a lot of fun, but the big sticking point that a lot of people had was they announced something called the magic anniversary edition. And it was something that they sold in a very limited quantity on a certain day. And they said, we're going to reprint for the first time ever cards from the alpha and beta sets, including cards that are on the no reprint list, um, the restricted list um, cards you may be familiar with, such as Black Lotus, um, Time Walk, those old cards that the the mocks and other cards that they they for some reason or another aren't able to reprint anymore. They have some sort of right. agreement with collectors, I'm not sure. It's, it's a restricted list. They reprinted these cards but with unique backs on them so they're not legally cards you can play and um so they sold booster packs of these these not legal to play cards $999 for four boosters.
0: Hmm, That's a lot.
1: For not playable cards, for collectors' items.
0: Yeah, that's a lot.
1: This, as you can imagine, was a little bit controversial in the Magic community. Oh, because uh, people wanted to celebrate the history of Magic, and Wizards said, "All right, we'll celebrate the history of Magic. Spend a thousand dollars, and you can get some useless plastic and paper." Right. And it kind of shattered what little faith a lot of people already had like a lot of people were already really upset with Wizards of the Coast for just releasing so much product in such a short period of time releasing like so they have a a series that they do every month called Secret Lair where they reprint cards and give them like unique art that you don't see anywhere else Um, And those are fairly expensive. It's usually like $30 for like five cards or something. But you know what cards Mm -hmm. you're going to get. You're buying them for the art. You're not buying them. And they are playable cards. They are real collectible cards that you can put in your decks. But these cards, it was $999 for essentially 60 cards that were reprints of the classic sets um, in both modern and retro borders with changed card backs so you can use them. And that just really damaged the um both Watsy's reputation and their um <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? Their connection to the community. Like the community, mm-hmm. which was already feeling pretty burned by just the flooding of product, kinda hit a inflection point with that and I don't really think they've recovered since then.
0: Yeah. And let me also say that I don't I don't wish that this is the case with these video games, that they are trying to remonetize them into some kind of other medium or something like that um or that they've decided that they're not worth the money that they're already putting into it or something of that nature but it it just seems to track with their MO so far
1: it sound, to me, the fact that they're cancelling five games sounds like a, cu- a cost-cutting measure to me. It sounds like yeah. they don't think the video games are worth the money that they're, they're putting into them at this point. Um, just probably based on previous results of other games that they've made. And as a result of the money that they've almost certainly lost due to their credit rating being downgraded. Downgraded was what I was looking for earlier. Yeah. That's, this, this feels like a direct result
0: of that to me. Uh, well, Wizards of the Coast...
1: I, I, I won't want Watsi to get his shit together, man. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> because I hope they, you
0: uh fix it.
1: <laughs> they control two of the genuinely greatest franchises in the gaming culture, and it feels like they're ready to pull a fucking Konami and just shit it yeah. all away.
0: Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. We like Dungeons and Dragons. Don't go. Don't Baldur's go full Konami,
1: it. man. Nobody should go full. Don't Konami. do it.
0: No. Don't do it. Hey, um, good news.
1: Um, you want to read this one?
0: Yeah, we have some good news. Um, Some really cool news. The Communications Workers of America announced today that the Quality Assurance Workers at ZeniMax Studios have officially voted to join the ZeniMax Workers United Union. Uh, This means that they have now formed the first video game union at Microsoft and the largest union of video game workers in the US. Uh, Microsoft, Microsoft, unlike other video game companies, um, committed to neutrality in the union vote, and after the vote was tallied, extended official recognition to the union as well um it, qu- it sounds quick and painless and easy and i really appreciate that on the part of microsoft yeah. i hope bargaining goes really well uh, for the for y'all um full disclosure my job has uh, unionized recently and oh, we're going through the bargaining process i think we talked about that is, but yeah yeah it's weird right? <laughs> the marketing process is a little weird um because well, you got to bring to the table are, what you
1: want the company has to bring to the table what they want you got to yeah. decide what you're willing to cut and, and it gets you, a
0: little heated yeah. sometimes and then you know afterwards you have to pretend like you weren't just trying to convince me that i didn't need like a certain kind of insurance or something so you know it's kind of strange um but it's it's a extremely healthy process that i believe in and i appreciate Mm -hmm. microsoft kind of taking the step aside to to let them first of all unionize uh, very quickly and easily um the vote took place in december um and it was basically unanimous um and then uh, recognizing the union almost immediately as well um
1: as somebody who Beautiful has stuff. been at least a part of the unionization effort um i've i was a part of the early um strikes and um turmoil that happened at blizzard Damn. um at the in at the middle middle of last year um and then in, going into late last year actually god it was like early last year wasn't it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so as you all know i used to work for blizzard and when all the when the lawsuit dropped there were a bunch of there was a bunch of employee um, action that took place, including a very long strike. I was on strike for a month as a result of that. And um, I'm glad to see that Microsoft is doing this. I'm glad to hear that Zenimax is pulling this off. These are quality assurance workers. As you know, I'm QA mm-hmm. myself. This is very near and dear to my heart. Um, it also makes me feel a lot better about the upcoming um, Activision Blizzard Microsoft merger. Um, assuming yes. that goes through, I still don't have any reason to believe that it won't despite what the FTC and everything is doing. I I don't think it's going to halt that process at all. Um, it's, it's interesting that a lot of the stuff around the, um, process of merging has come to light during this whole thing, because a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. that's been happening in the Activision, Blizzard, Microsoft merger is pretty standard, but since it's something that is so galvanized in the, um, internet community, it feels like a lot more people are paying very close attention and following every step of the process, even when all of it's fairly standard regulatory stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> and yeah so, yeah.
1: This makes me feel really good and hopeful that as more, more employees start unionizing at Activision and Blizzard, which has been happening, um, Microsoft will step back and allow these things to go through. As we've covered on the podcast, um, Blizzard has been very very militant yeah, in trying to crush, kind of nasty and, about it. Yeah, and shut down unionization efforts at their studios. So I'm hoping that once the merger goes through, that process will be smoothed over. A lot mm-hmm. more studios can start unionizing. Um, I don't know anything about unionization efforts at Blizzard at this point. I've been I've been away from the company for three months now, and things move very fast sometimes with yeah. this kind of stuff. Um, I'm hoping. I hope a lot more unionization efforts push through and take off at the company, fingers crossed. And uh, this makes me feel a lot better about their prospects.
0: Yeah. We do know um, of a recent studio which was acquired in June. Proletariat, uh, By yes. Activant. Yes, Proletariat is on its way to um, start unionizing. It's planning, at least. Yep. Um, this union, it says, will cover the entire studio. So not just the QA workers, but everyone involved. I the, um, I don't think that's exciting.
1: right. I think it's only quality assurance workers. Is that true? Yeah, it's 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 only quality assurance workers that are unionizing at Zenimax right now.
0: Oh, I mean at Proletarian. Oh, Proletari- Pro- Proletarian, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Pro- Proletarian is the first instance of an entire studio unionizing at ABK, yes. rather than just the QA.
0: Yeah, that's it. An- that's exciting. Yes, um, and very, very, uh, very interesting. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been my experience so far through unionization that like we've decided we are going to unionize. The management has said, congratulations, we support you, and also we're going to start bargaining whenever you're ready. Um, and so the fact that, like I've heard now that it can be that easy twice over yeah. makes me really side eye people who are like well uh-huh. you know uh-huh. well you could just shut up and do, let us do it but instead you want to like you know make it difficult so oh, yeah. uh, lots of lots of little side eyes over there at uh, Blizzard um, and other gaming companies who are doing this I don't know who you are but shame on you for for, for now <laughs> figure it out cut it out stop being rude um well that's really it for the news stories yeah, that's, this that's week. all we really so, got it's uh, been pretty let's slow. move on to yeah it's it, it's gonna be slow for like another two weeks like yeah. honestly post holidays um, kind of
1: goes like this so we'll we'll pick stuff up where we can
0: we will but um we still have some gaming history uh this week in gaming history so also by the way gaming history real tight this this week because like You know, not a lot happens in the first week of January, but we do have some things, Uh, specifically uh, January 1st, 1990, the Atari Junior is discontinued, Um, the Atari 2600 Junior, that is. Um, it was released first, September eleventh, nineteen seventy-seven, in the uh, North America, United States. Uh, then, nineteen seventy-eight in the EU, and nineteen eighty-three in Japan, October nineteen eighty-three.
1: I've never uh, even heard of the Atari Twenty-six Hundred Junior before. Is it just like it exactly was, what it sounds like, just a small Atari Twenty-six Hundred?
0: I think so. I, I I'm pretty sure it's just Atari, but smaller, which is like. <laughs> I, it's hard to believe that uh, like other other consoles before like the Game boy started doing that, right yeah, like let's make it smaller um what if it were tiny so i I really appreciate that like we have other consoles that did this um but yeah, it's just a tiny tiny atari smaller atari it was I believe the technically like the fourth Atari to come out, I believe. Looks right, because um, like there, the, 20... there was like the 2800, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's 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 nice though, it's cute, <laughs> and it's like it, it looks like it's got a little bit more going for it. And maybe uh, people were kind of tricked into buying it, um, because <laughs> it was tiny. Um, January 2nd, 1968, the birth of Goichi Suda, Suda 51. Suda is known for lots of iconic and cult classic games like uh, Killer 7, No More Heroes, and Lollipop Chainsaw.
1: Yep. No more here is probably the big one.
0: <laughs> I'm still playing through Killer Seven. Ah. Um, actually. I I actually really dig it, but I have no idea what's going on. Um which I feel like is a a Goichi Suda game, right? Like that just feels like Yeah. I'm enjoying it, but I don't know what's happening. Um <laughs> January third, two thousand four, Counter Strike Condition Zero is released for the PC. <laughs> the second counter strike release oh, of the series.
1: Man. That was a bomb, I don't, right?
0: It it did not do well, um which is why I think most people would not know what it, like that it existed, but it was um like one of the uh, first few counter strike games which led to global offensive obviously. Yeah. Um and it was also one of the ones that were like almost completely single player. There was not really a multiplayer to speak of. Um, Which I find really interesting because I think most people hear Counter-Strike and they're like, oh, that thing. Um, But you think of it as like a multiplayer um, big deal experience, not like a single player whatever it is. Um, January 4th, 2001, RuneScape releases for the first time. The original browser version uh, releases for the first time. Uh, Man. I thought that was...
1: What a game. Do you
0: miss... Do you miss Runescape? No. Uh, me neither. One day I did. <laughs> I'm gonna like someone from my past job is gonna listen to this and be like, "What?" One day I was really bored at work, um, and we had a little like computer for you know letting people into the building or whatever. And I was like, "I'm gonna download Runescape on this," and I did. And I played it on Sundays, and I was having a great time for a while. <laughs> did you know that Cisco was the having on a, Xbox? Uh, yes, uh, I believe it released with the orange box, and Half-Life.
1: No, I, I no, I, 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 like the same day, because it wasn't. No, well, it wasn't part of the orange box.
0: Oh, it wasn't. Nah, I thought it was. I, I did know it was on the Xbox though.
1: Nah, the orange I box was was, was Half-Life two, Episode one, Episode two, Team Fortress, and Portal. It was how a lot of people got to know Portal. Um, mm-hmm. I, both, I did not realize that Counter Strike was on console. That sounds miserable. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so that's something that's really still kind of brand new to me, because I grew up playing all of my shooters on consoles. Sure. Um, And then when I started getting slightly into PC gaming, um, people were like, you play shooters with a controller? And I was like, yeah, how else do you play it? like with a keyboard and mouse and they were like yeah and I thought that was insane now I can't now I can't imagine yeah I like I get it I understand why we do things the right way the funny
1: thing is, I, 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 I kind of went the other way. Um, I did, well, I mean, when I was a kid, I played most, like, Nintendo 64 and stuff, but I got really into PC yeah. gaming when I was, like, 14 or 15. And, like, I played yeah. almost everything mouse and keyboard. And then, at a certain point, I was like, you know, certain games might just be better with a controller. And now, I there's actually, um, as part of the um, the Steam recap that they're doing this year, they tell you how many of your games you played mouse and keyboard versus controller. Yeah, and, yeah. like, 80% of my games I play mousing or rather with con- controller and that's probably because most of my game time is in Final Fantasy 14 which I play with a controller
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and the reason that's I play controller in
1: Final Fantasy 14 is because I started on PS4 and now it's like that's right. the only way you can play it on PS4 is with controller and I can't imagine playing Final Fantasy 14 with anything but a controller now like I could I probably am, learn mouse uh, and keyboard but it sounds like a nightmare
0: I'm such a like if I'm on the computer if it's not a fighter I am on mouse and keyboard Interesting. Um, If it's a fighter, I have to use like a gamepad or something. So, do you play
1: 14 uh, mouse and keyboard?
0: Yep. Nice. Yes, I do. I use shift keys and control keys, and I click some of my skills. Don't judge me. No, that's um, fine. I mean, that's that's just how, a few of them. <laughs>
1: that's, that's funny, because it, it, what's really funny to me is even though I play Final Fantasy 14, um with a controller, I can only play World of Warcraft mouse and keyboard. I've tried that. Wow. There, there, are mods, there are mods for World of Warcraft that allow you to play it like Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah. essentially. I can't do it. I just can't. It it hurts. That's interesting. It's 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 there in my brain. There's some. There's like some like break in my brain which just mentally separates the two. And it's like World of Warcraft is the mouse and keyboard MMO. Final Fantasy fourteen is the controller MMO. And I <laughs> sure. can't. One is shake.
0: the past and one is the future.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's how it is. For, <laughs> my my brain is just broken in that way. I I can't fix it.
0: I um, love it. No, I love it. It's great. Um, that's super funny. Anyway, we're um, speaking in M- Runescape. <laughs> yeah, Runescape feels. I I wonder if RuneScape is playable with a controller now. Maybe I could be. go back to it. I don't know, RuneScape um, is so
1: different from what it used to be. Like they have still got RuneScape yeah. classic, but like New RuneScape, it feels kind of like the Golden graphics. The I graphics mean, it looks it different. looks like a real game that was made in 2000. Yeah, it looks instead like a real game, game that was made in I mean, even when RuneScape originally came out, cuz RuneScape originally came out in 2001, it looked like a yeah. game that was made in the early 90s. Like Yeah, yeah. It, it was looks like, it was a browser game. Yeah, it was a browser game, and it looked like it would look like a 3D game that was made for the Super Nintendo.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss it sometimes. I don't. Not in I, the I never not it. in the way not in the way that like I don't know. Like, it, it, the people on it were terrible, but, like, the game was nice.
1: <laughs> I think my standards
0: cute. were too high by the time I got to
1: RuneScape, because, like, that's I was valid, already playing, actually. like, Korean MMOs by then. <laughs> and, like, Korean that's, MMOs oh, were leaps valid. and bounds ahead yeah, of what was anything that was coming out in the West. Like, we had fucking Fly for Fun, Survival Project, oh, Guns the Duel. Yeah. Like, Ooh, RuneScape couldn't the good compare. Ones. Uh, RuneScape could compare against that good shit.
0: You named all the good ones. Did you play S4 League?
1: I did not play S four League.
0: Oh, S four League is one of those games I think about constantly. And I'm like, how do I how do I make it come back?
1: For me it's Guns Guns the Duel's the big one that I think. Guns of. the Duel
0: was great yeah was absolutely great i never got past like level three because i was i bad got at it but it, it was great
1: <laughs> i got real good at guns
0: like i started like be flying <laughs> i
1: started i started i started breaking my hands yes. to
0: play that game Man, amazing i wanted i wanted to be good at it but it was just i don't know the the disconnect with my brain and my hands just wasn't there um Hey guess what? In J- January fifth, twenty ten, Darksiders releases for the first time. Xbox three sixty and PS three.
1: This is a weakness for me. I don't know anything about Darksiders.
0: I know enough to know that it's a pretty cool game. It's like um it's got like Devil May Cry uh, playstyle, from what I remember. It's it's cool. And it's got a beefy boy in it.
1: God, I'm, like, looking up stuff about Darksiders, and, like, it's just, like, falling out of my ears. Like, nothing There's here looks like something that is catching on my brain at
0: all. That's that's fair. It's The only thing I see,
1: know. okay, I, I see a character of a dude with a red cowl on and a golden, like, pauldron with a large mm-hmm. sword and a church. But also, yep. like, so, like, his top half is World of Warcraft, and his bottom half is, like, a... Uh, fucking Warhammer 40K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's oh, going yeah. on here?
0: It's definitely for a type of person, but um it, I thought it was pretty cool. Um it had a lot of like futuristic mythos in it. Interesting. You know? Like a a lot of like uh Greek mythology but also like it's in the future and you can get a gun and stuff like that. It's it cool. definitely looks um, like
1: World of Warcraft set in a post-apocalyptic future.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um it's cool, though. It's cool. Give it a try. Uh, blah, 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 blah. January 6th, the Nintendo showcased... Uh, Nintendo showcased the Virtual Boy for the first time at Winter CES in 1995. Oh, on wait, January wait. six? January 6th. Huh? Where? That is not part of the doc because I forgot to put it in there. But I'll put it right there for you. There it is. Nintendo showcased the Virtual Boy. Ah, yes. January 6th. Um... We also got Sonic Heroes on the GameCube in 2004. It had come out already, but they ported it to the GameCube as well, and I think that's the first time I played it on the GameCube. 19 uh, years ago. I... Sonic Heroes.
1: Wait, what game? Sorry? I'm, I'm spacing a little Sonic bit. Sonic Heroes. Yeah, so Sonic Heroes is a weird one for me. Um, that was, like, one of the last games I rented from Blockbuster, I think. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I played it on the GameCube, and it was because it, it was kind of that inflection point where so- sonic was coming out on things that weren't didn't. well first of all the gamecube was the first console to have sonic games that wasn't a sega console because sega consoles mm-hmm. didn't exist anymore and then sonic heroes was the first multi-platform sonic game and i remember it's funny because i think there were some people that were upset about that i remember well when i was a kid so like i think <laughs> other kids may have been upset about the fact that sure. Sonic games were coming out on non-Nintendo consoles. I may just be misremembering that. But the only thing I remember is knowing that the GameCube version was the best version of it. And it felt like the other two versions of it were ports from the GameCube version. And I think that was probably
0: it, the case. But that's the thing, though. The GameCube version was the lighter version. Right? So, it's, I guess it was. They, they upgraded it, you know? They made it feel better on the GameCube somehow. Because um, I did play a PS2 version. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> this doesn't feel right. Yeah.
1: Going, going back a little bit to the Virtual Boy, I actually really wanted a Virtual Boy when I was a kid. It was already defunct by the time that I had oh, yeah. seen one. But my cousins had one, and they were willing to give it to me. But my mom didn't want me to have it because she didn't want something s- strapped on my face all the time.
0: Sure. That seems valid, actually. And now I work I, in VR. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah. Too bad. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> too late, too bad. Sorry, Mom. Um, honestly, there's not a whole lot for January 7th, but what I do find interesting is the release of Battletoads in Japan. I thought Battletoads was a Japan-originated game, so... No. That's interesting to me.
1: Uh, I think Battletoads was, the original Battletoads was made by Rare. Yeah, it was made by Rare, which means it was um, Europe-developed, UK.
0: And and still released in North America first.
1: Well, yeah, because Rare at the time was effectively a third party for Nintendo. That's right, They were basically given a bajillion dollars by Nintendo to make whatever the fuck they wanted and and they as a result ended up making the Donkey Kong Country games and made a bunch of games for Nintendo 64 but up until up until Microsoft bought them before the Xbox came out their big thing was they were basically just and then Nintendo was basically like have unlimited money mm-hmm. go nuts do whatever the fuck you want make cool games for us and they did
0: <laughs> they did and Battletoads is one of them Donkey Kong 64 was another Mm-hmm. Love that by Rare. I'll never forget this.
1: And actually, looking yeah. at it, it looks like they... So it used to be Nintendo was basically just giving them a budget. And then they bought mm-hmm. a part of the company right before they made Donkey Kong Country. And made a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff for them on the Nintendo 64 through Nintendo. Before they were bought by Microsoft. That's cool. That is and now cool. they're making Sea of Thieves. Which, God, it's... My like associate my brain associating Rare as the company that made both Donkey Kong Country and Sea of Thieves. My and brain, Sea of Thieves. My brain breaks. Like that's yeah. that's that's a that's a brain breaking. It's association truly bizarre. Because they've been kind of out of the game for a while, right? They, yeah, not
0: they, with at least not with like big big releases.
1: Right. It's like whenever whenever Microsoft bought them, they kind of they made some okay games during the original xbox era grabbed by the ghoulies perfect dark zero viva pinata and also cameo was a game um but Mm -hmm. then like they sort of got turned into the connect studio for like a decade and a half oh yeah Mm -hmm. and just it was awful (laughs) for them yeah yeah. and then out of nowhere they were like ah sea of thieves and everybody was like holy shit rare's back (laughs) rare did it Oh, God, it's so just weird to think of them as a modern game studio.
0: <laughs> Thirty-eight years in the in the game. Thirty-eight years in the game.
1: I'm glad they're still around. Yeah,
0: and hopefully they make me another Donkey Kong. That, um, you know, sixty-four specifically.
1: Man, you know what? That would be so fucking cool if Microsoft was like, "Hey, Nintendo, y'all want to make some more Donkey Kong games with Rare." Yeah. Like I don't think I don't think necessarily Microsoft would have to sell rare to do that. They could legitimately probably just hire them out to Nintendo and just like take a it would be weird yeah. because I don't think Nintendo would ever want to share the profits of a Donkey Kong game no. with Microsoft, so I don't think it would Absolutely ever happen. Not. But it would be cool. Nope. But but like also be. Retro is kind of waving the flag that that Rare used to bear anyway. Nintendo, I mean, um, Retro Studios, kind of being the de facto big third-party studio for or second-party studio for Nintendo now.
0: Yeah. So. Fingers crossed. It would be I, would, cool. I need it. It would be cool. I need but a, I need a sixty-four sequel. I don't Just think one. it would
1: ever happen, though. I mean, Grant is still one. independent, and doing his own thing. So that's all that really
0: matters, right? We'll see. <laughs> We'll see. Together. All of us. Uh, okay, we're going to wrap this up. Sure. Uh, to do so, tell us, uh, give our listeners a recommendation. Which game should they be playing or be on the lookout for?
1: Uh, oh, boy. That's kind of a weird one. It's been <laughs> a pretty weird... Um, you, you know what? No, no, no! Fuck! <laughs> you know what else I got into really recently? Fucking Deep Rock Galactic. Go play Deep Rock Galactic. Oh, sure. Uh, is it on sale right now? Deep Rock Galactic, team... Uh, it might be. Sales, the the winter sale should still be going on. It is not on sale, t- but that's oh. fine. It's it's actually never been on sale. Funny thing about Deep Rock Galactic, but um. Wow, fine.
0: it's only thirty bucks.
1: Yeah, it's only thirty bucks, and it has like two years worth of free content in it. Um, they're the way that they price Deep Rock Galactic, or the way that they that they monetize Deep Rock Galactic is kind of beautiful. Um, They constantly release new updates for the game and add new content to it, Um, but it's all free. It has a season pass that is free. It's cosmetics only. You can just go unlock cosmetics for completely free. Once the season pass ends, they get added into the regular loot pool, so there's no FOMO. The only paid DLC that the game has outside of the base $30 you pay to get the game is cosmetics. There are cosmetic packs that you can buy Mm -hmm. if you feel so inclined. Mm -hmm. I actually just recently bought the Deluxe Edition and got all... I got the Dwarven Legacy bundle and um, bought all the DLC for the game because I wanted to support them. Because Deep Rock Galactic is such a fucking fantastic... It looks like the Winter Sale actually did just about wrap up. So it, it doesn't look like the game was on sale, but a bunch of the DLC was on sale. And so just over the past like two months i've spent like a 100 hours in the game it's so much fun it's it's um it's it's if you really like cave diving in minecraft but also you really like left for dead it's sort of a conglomeration of those two things and it's really yep. fun the movement options for each of the classes that you can play as is really great the progression system is really satisfying the vibes are immaculate and um it you also play as
0: dwarves you play
1: as dwarves and um dwarves are on the rise for a game which you play with random people online you if you want to it has probably one of the nicest and most wholesome communities in existence in online gaming um the company that makes it ghost ship games kind of feels like they went out of their way to curate a game that encourages positivity and just fun and niceness among their community and it shows and it works so if you don't have friends go play deep rock galactic with strangers you'll have a fun time if you have friends go play it with your friends get them to buy it and you'll be you'll be in the mines for months
0: as dwarves as dwarves dwarves are on the rise Uh, hey, you just heard me talk a whole lot about Baldur's Gate 3. Go play that. Yeah. Um, It's in early access now. If you start playing, you'll get pretty far, probably. And then you can wait until August uh, when it's completely finished, allegedly. Um, I have, like, 80 hours in the game. Like, you you can squeak out so much time in this just doing stupid stuff. Um... One of my favorite things to do in the game is anytime there is an enemy near a ledge, I use an attack that knocks them backwards, and they fall off the ledge. It's very satisfying. You can do it, too.
1: And from my experience um, with fall damage in Dungeons & Dragons, it, it stacks up very quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um just or you can just literally eat them into oblivion that also happens i dropped an entire boss into the darkness and he died it's great it's very great you can do it um so you know go get it uh it's as we said the steam sale is over winter over um But it is a full price $60 right now. You could get it early access and then, you know, hang on to it until August. Or you could jump in now and uh, have a a good time. Um, And finally, to uh, finish off this episode, please let us know where Paul is on the Internet.
1: Okay, so since the last time we had an episode, um, I have ended most of my activity on Twitter. So going forward, um, the primary place you'll be able to find me will be um, over on Tumblr. So you can find me over at paulsrockinpagoda.tumblr.com. Feel free to send me any asks and me any game information whenever you want. Give me a follow there. I did recently refresh my blog, so it I've deleted every post basically from late 2022 back uh so new year, new me, new new blog. Um and yeah, okay. you can also find me over on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Bonzi77. uh
0: amazing. All right, as always you can find me at Comedy Jace Gaming on Twitter and you can find the Weekly Cooldown as well on Twitter at WK Cooldown. Uh be sure to visit the Weekly Cooldown Facebook page. Maybe visit WKcooldown.com for more news and other Maybe. episodes maybe be sure to leave a review or comment on apple podcast uh remember the algorithm works that way so you got to do it and the be sure to and the bob Bob dole be sure to check out the links in the Um, description including of course our humble bundle for this week and remember you uh can support your favorite charities and support this show our logo and art is done by Corgian. Follow Dog House Corgian on Twitter. D O G H O U S E C O R G N. Corgian's doing really cool uh like art streams lately. Oh, sick. Um so definitely follow them and check out the art streams. Um they also do like commission streams for like what what are those things called? Like stream overlays, oh and yeah, stuff overlays like for that. like it's, tournaments and stuff, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um and um a certain three letter c word comes up a lot anyway um huh? our intro music is done by ricky find ricky on twitter at dog underscore noise d-o-g-n-o-i-s-e huh? dog underscore noise on twitter that's all for the weekly cooldown i'm comedy i'm
1: paul rock and stone in the heart henderson
0: and we'll see you next week thanks for listening
1: bye bye definitely clip the microphone bye <laughs> <laughs>